Welcome to Mom Body Soul Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Ziggy. Mom Body Soul Podcast was born from some open, honest conversations about our own personal fertility, birth, and parenting journeys. Having worked in the pre and postnatal wellness industry for many years, we have learned so much and have made so many amazing connections with other mamas and health professionals. We talk triumphs and struggles and learn from inspiring expert guests who share not only their work, but their personal stories too. We're more than just moms. This This is Mom Body Soul. Hey listeners, on our very first episode, my co-host Lindsay shares her fertility journey, her experience with loss and healing from it. She gives us some amazing insights on supporting others, and this one is a real emotional roller coaster. It covers a range of potentially triggering topics, so bear that in mind if you're sensitive to these issues. And please seek support or help from your local mental health service. You can also check out our Instagram, at Podcast for helpful links. If you got something from this episode, please share it with someone who you think would enjoy it too or benefit from it. Feel free to DM us or comment on our episode posts on Instagram. We love hearing your stories and feedback. Don't forget to subscribe so you get a notification every time we release a new episode. So I started off in this industry as a prenatal yoga teacher. Well, actually, I started as a yoga teacher many years ago. And after I did my yoga training in India, I got home and I saw this advertisement for a pre and postnatal yoga course called Mindful Birth. It's the time I hadn't even started thinking about having a family at that point. I just thought about expanding my client base. I thought there's a lot of parents and um, moms in Hong Kong. I thought they could benefit from that. And I didn't know a lot of pre and postnatal yoga teachers at the time. So I took the course. In that course, there was some women had like four children. Some women had had, one woman was actually pregnant on the course. Everyone was in different stages of lives. And what struck me was how little we knew about our own bodies. And like we were sitting there and even some of the women who had kids were like, oh, that's really interesting. And I just, it blew my mind that as women, why don't we know these things that are happening to our bodies and our fertility, whether or not you decide to have children, you still don't know what's going on in your own body. It was just a bit like mind blowing to me. So that was sort of my first initiation to this. And I started to connect with women and my existing yoga clients started referring me to pre and postnatal clients. And so it happened really organically. And every woman that I met showed me something different about their body. I learned all these tools in the class. And it's something called mindful birth and active birth. Yoga for active birth and mindful birth means you're an active participant in the birth process. So rather than just letting things passively happen to you, you become active in the role and asking questions. So it's a really good way of like being part of your birth process. And, uh, but they also taught different types of breathing techniques, different types of positions, and some of the stuff that definitely overlaps with the stuff I, I now do as well, which is interesting, all connected. I, you know, finished this course, I was working with pregnant ladies, and then probably like a year after that, we started trying for a baby. And I was a little bit older, I think 35 or so. It was taking a little bit longer. And so I ran some fertility tests. Um, what, what kind of fertility tests were well, those? Well, I just went in, initially I just went and saw my, my GP and she ran 
hormone tests. So this is a typical hormone test that they would do if if they want to know, you know, where you're at. So they test for your egg reserve, they test your progesterone, estrogen levels, things like that. So just to see where you're at uh, and your numbers. And my egg reserve and they test egg reserve egg quality was okay. It was a little on the low side, but it was okay for my age and my hormone levels were fine. So they then suggested I went to see a fertility specialist to do something called an HSG test. So that is um, one where they send uh, liquid dye through your fallopian tubes to, to check um, and through your uterus to check if there's any blockages or any reasons why you might not be able to conceive. And I remember like before going for that, like a lot of people were talking to me like saying, you know, it's typical to go for that test and then get pregnant afterwards mm-hmm. because it kind of cleanses the tubes and makes it a little easier for the, the baby to stick, essentially. So this is, I had heard of some of my friends actually going for this test and then getting pregnant. But when I went to the test, I went to see a doctor who in Hong Kong is more of an IVF specialist. Mm-hmm. So my first meeting with him, I remember I went in and I was just thinking, okay, I've done my hormone test. This is just the next level. I want to see what he says. But I wasn't that concerned at that point about my fertility like I and I also hadn't been trying for years and years where I felt like I really wanted to move this forward I was just like I need to know my options and he just went in on the whole IVF like breakdown first port of call was just yeah like, this is the plan for IVF and like he's a great doctor and very well respected in his field and wonderful at IVF but he didn't see me And I didn't ask any questions. I did not utilize my active birth. Um, You know, I did not participate. I just sat there stunned. I left the office and I just cried because I just felt like what just happened. And I was so overwhelmed and then confused. I stuck with it. I went home. I had a little cry, a little chat with my husband. And I went back to him. And then I had my game face on. And I said, listen, I think it's great. Thanks for sharing about IVF. I'm not there yet. I'd like to start at the start. And once I kind of called that attention to him, he changed how he was interacting with me. And that felt like a very powerful shift for me. Which is very prevalent for couples who start their fertility journey, because I feel like a lot of couples don't want to go straight to the... To the most expensive option. (laughs) (laughs) To the million dollar option. Um, No, it is expensive, but it's also to hop just straight to that without any preparation. I feel like most people like to make sure they've ticked the boxes before they move into a big life decision like that. Um, I wanted to tick those boxes and I didn't feel like we had been trying so long that, you know, I needed to move to that. So we, we booked in this test and went in. And I don't know if you've, have you done it before? Did you do that test? No, he no. didn't do that test. So no, no, Ziggy's stories are very different. I just remembered. <laughs> so stay tuned next week for that. Uh, so you go in and it all happens and they explain to you that you might feel it like similar to period cramping. Um, I wasn't prepared, I think, mentally, physically, and knowing all the things and all the tools I know now about birth and pregnancy and preparation and mindfulness and breathing, I would have like really taken out a whole different toolbox going into that, but I didn't know what to expect. And I just went in and it was excruciating for me. It was very uncomfortable. 
and sort of embarrassed. So I had a lot of cramping feelings and it made me feel like I needed to go to the bathroom. So Mm -hmm. I dragged myself, literally, I didn't even stand up fully. I was like hunched over. I dragged myself to the nearest toilet. I just collapsed onto the floor in pain. And I was laying there with my my pants around my ankles, just like, (laughs) just like laying there in pain. And my whole arm went and had gone numb. And I actually thought... I'm having a heart attack. I mean, (laughs) who hasn't thought they were having a heart? Like everyone does that, right? We have that moment where we're like, I'm definitely having a heart attack. Um, Or every time I have a stomach ache, I'm like, it's an appendicitis. What side is it? So like, I thought I was having a heart attack, literally pulled, you know, that emergency cord by the toilet. And the nurses came running and had to like collect me off the floor. They were really great. And then, and then the doctor came in, which was even worse. (laughs) Um, and he was like talking me through it. He's like, it's okay. It's just like when you have the procedure, sometimes the, the, it it can like compress a nerve in your diaphragm that can lead to this numbing sensation next to your shoulder and your arm. I know it's, and he said it was like, not everyone will obviously experience this, that I just had a reaction. I'm that one in 1000. (laughs) Of course I am. (laughs) Right. I, yeah, had that left there. And then he monitored my ovulation, so follicle tracking. So Mm -hmm. I went in for two or three more appointments in my cycle. They do an ultrasound and they see in your tubes, they can see the eggs and everything and tell you exactly when to go home and try. Mm -hmm. So we did that a couple weeks, two weeks later, I was pregnant with my first pregnancy. We had decided to go away because it had been a lot getting to this point and just have a little weekend together. In um, we went to Sanya, which is like the Hawaii of China. It's not, though, FYI. <laughs> uh, it's nice, though. But anyway, we went there. And I remember, so interestingly, it was my birthday. I imagine it must have been my 36th birthday. And I woke up the morning of my birthday, and I knew I was pregnant. I had packed pregnancy tests. So to give you a little background, I'm a very intuitive person. So I often know or feel things that are about to like happen in my life before they happen. This happens to me a lot. So I just had packed the pregnancy tests and I just thought, I'm going to be pregnant. It's going to be on my birthday. And I just remember, now I'm going to cry because I haven't talked about this in a long time, but I just remember coming out and crying and showing my husband and saying, this, I'm, this is the happiest day of my life. We're all crying here, We're guys. Crying. <laughs> did you did anyone time how long it took us before we burst into tears? And I just remember saying, This is the happiest day of my life. And literally all day I felt so amazing. And I was like touching my belly and swimming around and just like literally feeling so happy. Couldn't even tell you. It was like the best thing ever. And automatically I was switched into like I'm I'm pregnant. Ziggy is still crying. Um, <laughs> that was probably the best moment of that pregnancy. As the pregnancy progressed, I started to have intuition and feelings that something wasn't right. Each time, something would come up in every appointment. So in the early stages, he was like looking and he was like, oh, the nuchal fold looks a little bit big. So for those of you who don't know, the nuchal fold is a measurement at the back of the neck and there's a a certain size that it should be. And if the size is slightly bigger, it usually is an indicator of something like Down syndrome. And he was looking and he was saying like, "Mm, that's not normal. 
And then they would do like my beta HCG tests and the numbers weren't looking like the way that they should progress. And that's the hormone that indicates that you're pregnant and they should, they should increase exponentially in the earlier stages of pregnancy. And that wasn't happening at the right rate either. And then I did my NIPTI test. That's something we do here. It's called different things around the world. In my clinic, it was called the NIPTI test, which is essentially testing for markers of different um, genetic genetic things that could happen. Um, indicators that maybe the, the baby may or may not be developing um, in a certain way. And we got the test results back for that, and that wasn't quite right. And so... Each time I was, I was feeling like this, like crazy high stress level. The way I was reacting to the doctor, I was reacting fine, I guess, with him in person, but afterwards I would leave and I would feel really mad at him and really angry with him. It was very irritating and I would often leave his office and cry and just feel really, and that's just not me. And I just felt very on guard and like adrenaline constantly flowing during the pregnancy and it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like I could properly connect with the baby ever. Like I would, I felt very protective over the baby, but there was this weird something that was missing. And it was very odd for me being such a connected, intuitive type of person and having this expectation for how I was going to feel. And I'd always envisioned that I would have a little girl. It wasn't just an, a vision. It was an intuition, like a very strong one. And then I got the NIPTI test back. And I remember them calling me and saying, it's a boy. And I, I just had a feeling that that was sort of the last thing for me that was telling me something's really not right. And it's not that I didn't want to have a son or a boy in my life. It was that I knew that my first baby was supposed to be this girl and nothing had felt right in this pregnancy. And so it sounds a bit crazy, I think, to people who are not maybe into that, but it's perfect sense to me though. <laughs> it does. You know, there was part of me who was obviously having these feelings, but there was part of me who was just going forward with this pregnancy with a positive mindset, like preparing to have this baby, happily sharing the news of having this baby boy. I didn't even, and I'm like, I'm not, like my husband and I have a really open relationship and I talk to him about everything. I didn't even tell him this. I didn't tell anybody any of these things. You mean your feelings about it or okay? My feelings of like disconnect, of being unsure why I was having a boy when I envisioned this. Like I didn't tell him any of that because I didn't want him to think I was disappointed. He was so excited to have a son and I didn't want to take anything away from that. So I moved in a conscious way, moved forward with my pregnancy. And we were, you know, looking at things like cots and, and telling people, of course, right? So I had at this point, you know, hit the 12, 12 week mark telling people and telling people, and it's a boy, like I knew all this news, it was really exciting. I remember going to prenatal yoga classes and feeling like I didn't belong. It was a really weird feeling. Like I'd get in the class and be like, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't fit in. I, I would just kind of brush these feelings aside. And we went for our 12 week scan and the baby had his back to us, but that didn't seem, I didn't note or think anything of it. And the doctor said, everything's fine. And off we went. At Christmas time, we were scheduled to go back to the UK to see my husband's family for Christmas. And I was almost four months pregnant at this point. So my doctor said, listen, you're four months pregnant. We should probably do a scan before you go. Normally I would say, let's wait till you're the five month mark, but let's do a four month scan just because you're flying a lot. I want to check you out. 
And we'd booked it in like two days before we were flying. And I felt, I woke up and felt so nervous. You know, I'm on, uh, on the bed and he's doing the ultrasound. And I just saw this look come over his face. And I just knew. Get ready to cry. He, he just said, There's some, something is not right. And I just knew every bit of me, it was in some ways, it was actually relieving because all these feelings that I had had in the months leading up to this were telling me something and I wasn't wrong. And it was like, you weren't wrong to have these feelings because I felt like I loved my baby, but why am I having these feelings and this disconnect? And it was really hurting me. It was hurting me because I was so excited to be pregnant and I didn't understand why I was having these feelings. And he just said, you need to see someone else. You need to see someone else today. But she's very busy. You're just going to have to wait to see her. Which was like a horrendous thing to go through. So we left his office. Did he tell you what was wrong? No. He just said something. He said, I suspect something's... Oh, no, he did. He said, I suspect... Yes, he did. He said, I suspect it's a diaphragmatic hernia. What does that mean? So a diaphragmatic hernia is when the baby's diaphragm doesn't form. It can be partial, it can be full. And if the baby's diaphragm doesn't form, then the internal organs move up into the heart, which then can cause the heart not to grow or form Mm -hmm. properly. And it can have knock-on effects with the brain and other parts of the body. So all he saw at that moment was that there was no diaphragm there. It was horrible. And as soon as we left the office, I just turned to my husband. I said, this is not good news. And and he he knew too. And he's not like a, a, I'm obviously a crier. He's not a crier. And he cried. And that like made me feel physically sick because I knew that he must know the level of this is not right. This is not good. When he was showing that level of emotion, I just thought, okay, this is it. And so we waited all day and we saw the specialist and she basically checked everything on the baby. And there were several issues in terms of the baby wasn't no longer growing. Different things were indicating that the baby had stopped growing. There was the heart was not forming. There was no, like all these things. And she just, you know, she just said, this baby is, is not going to develop properly not going to survive. But according to law, they can't necessarily just come out and say, you have to end your pregnancy, but that's what they guide you towards. But they need to give you all the facts and say, here are the risks and here is that. And so some people for religious purposes, for lots of different reasons who don't want to end their pregnancy will carry out that pregnancy until it naturally they naturally um, birth the baby or something happens where the baby dies. And for me, she said, I, I really, if you don't have any of those particular reasons, I really strongly urge you that we need to um, induce the labor now because otherwise it's a greater risk to your health and your future for having future babies. And just like so heartbroken yeah it's i know it's sad it's sad it's really sad it's a really horrible thing to go through but you know because the baby had had his back to the screen in the first in that 12 week ultrasound they missed this Mm -hmm. so this was stuff that was showing up but they didn't catch it so it brought me to a deeper place in the pregnancy physically mentally emotionally 
developmentally, everything was just further along, right? And I told more people, more people had known. So literally everybody knew I was pregnant. And I was, Including you know, people that you were teaching in pre and postnatal yes, yoga. Yes, people, clients that I was seeing in pre and postnatal yoga. Yeah, so then I went home that night and I spoke to my parents. And I, I knew that we had to get this procedure underway. It was still a very horrible thing to have to... It was awful. It was a really, really horrible moment in my life, obviously, but... I mean, there's... There's... And I feel it. We're both just crying. Um, <laughs> Thank God I didn't film this. <laughs> um, but just putting myself in your shoes, you know? And I know the joy of being pregnant yeah. and feeling pregnant. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I don't talk about this a lot, this part of it. It still felt like... At the end of the day, you have to agree to have this procedure. And it was a horrible thing to feel like I had to say, okay, go ahead with it. We booked into the hospital. And essentially what they do is they give you something very similar to actually if you're induced. It's like a pessary to um, soften the cervix and start the surges, which is what I call contractions. Um, but for the purpose of this story, I'll just call them contractions because they were horrible. And I hadn't done any of my... Uh, hypnobirthing stuff at this stage. I I studied the pre and postnatal yoga, so I had some tools, but I didn't know a lot about that kind of stuff, which actually looking back, it like explains a lot to me of why I was feeling this way. And but obviously I wasn't ready physically, I wasn't ready emotionally, and then my body was given these synthetic hormones to expel the baby to have to induce labor. So they essentially put me into labor and then the first pessary didn't work, they gave me another one. They ended up giving me a shot. I had all sorts and it was excruciatingly painful. The most painful thing I've ever, ever experienced in my life. It was so painful. And I remember like my husband was there, I was on the bed and he just, I think it happened through the night and he was kind of half asleep, half awake. And he just knew I needed to do this on my, I just wanted to be by myself. Mm-hmm. I like, he was in the room, but I didn't want anyone to touch me or talk to me. I just needed to like get through this. And I was very like focused. And what got me through was all the stuff I'd learned in my pre and postnatal yoga training. Like I switched on my breathing. I changed positions. I used all those things that I had learned because I was, I was giving birth. So you had to go through a full labor for how long? And that was probably, I think I got to the hospital around two or three o'clock and that started, they started off around five or six o'clock. By the time it was all said and done, I think it was about two or three in the morning, something like that. And was it your choice to go through the and feel the experience of labor? Well, I got some drugs. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I got through it. But then finally the time came when I knew that he was going to come out. And I took myself to the, the bathroom. And then, because they said, if, if you're going to birth him, you need to collect him in this basin. I know. I, I did. And I, and I... by yourself by myself completely alone and I know it's very sad if you're listening I know you might feel like it's very sad but from sadness like your biggest moment of strength also comes in your life you know and I was like there and I was like I can't believe I'm still alive and able to do this because it was so painful but I felt like okay I'm, I'm strong too I can get through this if that makes sense you know like that it happened you're extremely strong thank you I looked at him for like the briefest of moments 
I couldn't really look at him. And then I buzzed the nurse because I said, as soon as it happens, you need to call us. And they came in and I remember they <laughs> so were basically just crying <laughs> through this episode. They came in, the nurses were like incredible. And they said, what did you want to do? Do you want to see him? And I said, no, just take him. Just please take him. And, you know, so then they had to, I had to birth, I had to, this is, this is actually the harder part. I had to lay on the bed and birth the placenta, like properly push the placenta out. But I did that. And then, you know, I, I just remember like calling my mom saying like, it ha it's happened. And my mom was just so like, it's okay. You did it. It was just, it was really hard. And then the worst moment, the worst moment was I, I was in the bathroom, like cleaning up and they came in and they brought out this little birth card with two tiny little footprints and his weight. And they, they left it on the table. Then I came out and I picked it up. And I said, why would they do this? Why would they give this to me? It was so heartbreaking. <laughs> but, you know, I remember telling my mom, I said, why did they, why did they give that to me? And she said, you'll want it one day. One day you'll be able to look at that and you'll feel okay. And that is true. I can look at that now. It still makes me sad. It still breaks my heart, but I can actually look at it. There are no tissues in the vicinity. I have tissues in my bag. Okay. I'm going to Let's pause for cut. two seconds. Cut. <laughs> If you're having trouble deciding what antenatal class to attend, or if you even need to attend one, I'll let you in on a little secret. Those who prepare for their birth and learn tools for managing all types of birth outcomes have more positive feelings about their birth, report decreased postnatal depression, and better bonding with their babies. And this is not just for mamas, but birth partners too. Let me help you have a better experience with the Calm Birth Method. I am always available for a free initial chat because let's be honest, I love talking about all things birth. Get in touch at hello at calmhongkong.com or check out my Instagram at calmbirthhk. Okay, so we're back. We're back. We've, we've wiped noses. How did you go on to healing from that experience? You know, it's funny. It's like, before I talk about that, I just need to say, like, I haven't talked about this. I'm very open with this. I talk to anybody who asks me. Literally, like, no problem talk about it. So I have made peace with it. But, like, retelling the story, it's been a long time since I, like, opened these emotions. And I think I've come to heal from it, but forgot some of the things. Like, as I'm telling you, you know... I sometimes don't think I give myself enough credit that that was like so hard, you know, it was looking back because I can move forward with it. And I have, you know, I have my baby girl and my family and I'm really grateful and I can like, I've moved past it. That is a lot. It's a lot. Literally after it, it happened, I got online and I Googled and I found this therapist. I told her everything that happened and she was just so crucial for already starting my healing process. Mm. And I think a lot of people probably wouldn't reach out to someone that quickly. And it was the best thing I ever did. She was able to really help me to process the feelings and understand everything that I was feeling. 
and it was she gave me some tools to to move forward that was really helpful and I was talking about the kind of person I am and she was like oh you you know you seem like you're in touch with like your intuition and you're a little bit spiritual you might like to see this energy healer that's in town and so I called and lo and behold there was like one space left of course and I went to see her and it was transformational for me as well like from an energetic perspective from an emotional release so I remember I walking in the room and she's just so she's so she's just like a beautiful human and I walked in the room and she was just like beaming and smiling at me and like she'd already been informed about my situation I thought to myself why is this woman smiling at me doesn't she know what's just happened yes doesn't she know I'm devastated I'm so sad why is she smiling at me she does like a massage but also it's like an energetic healing at the same time so you like physically you get that massage release but also at different points she hovers over different points of your body and she would hover and I would feel like things were being like sucked out of me. Mm. And I was like, whoa. And I would see things. I was seeing colors and, and I finished and she just started talking at the end. She was like, so this baby was sent to you to teach you in your life. And he, you know, he chose you because you're this kind of soul. She also talked about, you know, the, the future and like, I'm due to have more and have a journey. She said that, you know, I meant to be connected with like women, women's stories and things like that. And this was the start of both my therapist and her. It was the start of a big journey with the two of them. And they were two women who were very key to my healing and progress. And it doesn't have to be that. Like, if that's not your thing, if that's not your jam, like, I think you need to find the care provider that resonates most with you. But for me, I needed them. And I would see Stephanie would only come in from Bali like every two or three months. But every time she comes, I still see her. She's amazing. We need to get her on the podcast. We got to get her on the podcast. And Allison, she, I see her. I still see her, not as frequently as I did when I was going through that stuff. But if I feel like something in my life requires some tools, I go and see her. And I think it's amazing. That is so important that, I mean, support is so important I think for all human beings because we are we are naturally inclined to connect with others right and when we have a lack of connection a lack of support system that is a very lonely isolating and scary place to be so if you have experienced a loss whatever support is essential for you to seek that out Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know what it was in me because I'd never, I have to say, like, I do feel very grateful in my life that I just had a very normal childhood and I never had experienced trauma. But for some reason, I knew that I needed to reach out for help. Have you heard of spirit? I think we've talked about this before, but have you heard of spirit babies? No. No, yes, we did. We did talk. It's a book which is on my reading list, which I haven't read yet, but it's about the souls finding and choosing us yes. as either their vessels, their mothers, and it's the souls of these spirit babies coming down from like the cosmos yes. to teach us. Yes. I really feel, I do feel that he was, you know, so integral to everything. Like that was such a pivotal point in my life. I became a very different person. It was a huge moment to push me into a different space and to to heal and grow and learn from that experience. The way that I 
see other people and how I try to interact with other people has changed. I really try to tap into like what's going on for other people now and have an awareness of what could be hurting them because mm. I was really hurting for a while. And we don't know, right? We don't know what others need or how, or what they're going through and especially when it comes to a loss. For example, I've never had one, you know, but I've definitely had clients who've had them and how to support someone in that is, you know, I actually always just refer them to you. <laughs> I just say, have you, have you met Lindsay? No, but that's how it should work. That, ha you know, like someone around you has experienced a loss. What are your sort of three top suggestions for how to support someone going through loss? Is not to say things like, it's so common. So a lot of people, when you have a miscarriage or a loss, they say, yeah, it's so common. It belittles the loss and the experience. And when you have an early miscarriage, which spoiler alert, I go on to have one. When you have an earlier miscarriage, it can be dismissed by some people. Like, oh, it's, it's you know, it's not that much because you were only seven weeks or eight weeks, it can be so much more for somebody mm. or not. But it's more about like respecting, letting people, I always like to try to let people tell me how they feel about it. So I'm not putting my own opinions on that. So saying something like it's so common, it happens all the time. That's not making people feel like you understand or you're united with them because it's not so common for them. It's their experience. Mm. So that's not helpful. The other thing that's not helpful is telling your personal stories about other people's miscarriages in your lives. Mm -hmm. So my sister had a miscarriage at five weeks and she went on to have 17 children. Like so many people wanted to share these like success stories with me. Mm -hmm. But at that time, you're so uncertain that that's going to ever be you. And it might not, you know, you're thinking it might not be me. I might not go on to have... And I you think know. that's that natural human inclination to want to take away someone's pain. Yes, and... it all comes from a good place. It's yeah. not coming from a bad place. So if you have done that or said that to someone, that's okay. Um, but and now we're educating. Now we're ourselves. educating. <laughs> the other thing is with pregnancy news. I love my friends. So there is an ability, even in my darkest moments during that time, like one of my very good friends, I threw her a baby shower like a month after this. And she kept asking me, are you sure? And I said, yes, there could be nothing more in the world that I want to do than to celebrate something so amazing for you. People are able to separate what's going on in other people's lives and be happy for their friends. And if they're not, give them the space to tell you they're not. Mm -hmm. Just make it okay. Like you can say to them, are you sure? Is this comfortable for you? Does this upset you? But try to be aware and give them the space. And if they're okay, because it's actually much more painful when people were shutting me out, like having baby showers, but just not inviting me, not acknowledging. Like someone had a baby shower that I knew quite well that would have come to my baby shower and I didn't get invited. Which so, is more harmful. Which is more harmful. And it just reminds me, it's like, oh, you don't belong with us, mm. you know? We don't want to upset her. We don't want to trigger her, which yeah. is more triggering. Just more triggering. So... I had so many experiences in this time where people would try. I think they were trying, but they would fail in terms of trying to tell me that they were pregnant. 
But if you have someone going through experiencing loss, then just be mindful how you're interacting with them. It's okay to share news about pregnancy, but do it in a, in a respectful way that gives them space to process their emotions. That's really, really important. What I always like to say is, how can I support you? Yes. Please let me Excellent know. wording. Or, and just putting your hands up and being like, I don't know what the right thing to say is, so you let me know what you need. Yes. And... I think that's amazing. That is the best thing to do. But also sometimes it's finding the balance of, so how can I support you is really beautiful, but also thinking yourself how you could support the person. Mm. This doesn't always work depending on how well you know the person, but sometimes saying, is there anything I can do or how can I support you? And they're so tired and like grieving or whatever. They don't know what to ask for. So if you know that person really well, just do things for them turn up at their house. Like one of my friends turned up with like a basket of food. I remember something similar with my first. I had postnatal depression. Yeah, you don't know what you need until people do it for you sometimes. There are some pretty sensitive topics in here, but this episode is hopefully going to help start the conversation and normalize this conversation. I do hope from this sharing this, we're able to connect with others who've potentially been through something similar and know that you can heal from it and how you can go forward. If you need support, please head to the Mom Body Soul Instagram and don't forget to follow us. Hit subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss any Mom Body Soul. If you'd like to be a guest on Mom Body Soul, get in touch at mombodysoulpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, I share my story about postpartum depression, pregnancy, and my first birth story. Until Until next time, we are mom, body, soul.